0: Well, it's a delight to have everybody here today. I invite you to turn with me to the book of Jonah. We're also going to make our way over to Exodus 3 and 4 in just a couple of minutes. I want to just echo what Pastor Caleb said. You know, it's impossible for us to live, love, and lead like Jesus, the sign on the wall, kind of the slogan, the theme of our church, and not care for the poor, the disenfranchised, the hurting, the hungry. And so, as Caleb mentioned, make sure you come out this Saturday night it's going to be an extraordinary banquet. The food is free. There's still a few tickets remaining. You can get those at the connection center, and then also uh, join us Wednesday night, 5:30, for a time of prayer. We'd love for you to join us for our all church prayer meeting every single Wednesday night. We're in this series called Beyond Survival, and we've all heard it. We've all said it. I hear it every week. It seems like I'm a little more uh, aware of it these days because of our uh, discussions on Sunday. But you know, you you tell people ask people, how are you doing? They say, well, I'm, I'm barely surviving. I heard somebody say this past week, you know, keeping my head above water. Uh, you know, we've all felt that. Life can be very challenging. You may be going through a time right now where life is just really simple. Well, don't brag about it because you're one of the very few people I know. Uh, most of the time, life is challenging. It's difficult. It's got some trials and adversities connected to it. And if we're not careful, we feel like we're sinking a little bit. God wants more for us. He wants us to soar. He doesn't want us to barely sink uh, or barely swim, rather. He doesn't want us to sink, barely swim. He wants us to soar. Did you read about the rescue of uh, one of the two sailors that uh, was found in a raft about 70 miles Uh, off the coast of of Washington. In fact, 70 miles uh, west of uh, Cape Flattery, the uh, northwesternmost part of the contiguous United States. We know about that in this part of the world. These uh, two sailors left Westport and uh, were missing for a couple of weeks. Those Coast Guard searched 14,000 square miles looking for them, couldn't find them, called off the search. Finally, a Canadian fishing boat spotted the raft and rescued one of the sailors. I I keep looking every day what happened to the other sailor, what happened to the other sailor, what happened to their boat, still haven't seen that, but they were able to rescue this one. Do you know what the name of the fishing boat from Canada was? The Good Samaritan, how appropriate, how appropriate. And so they rescued and brought this guy in, and he was barely surviving, he said, uh, using different words. He had caught one salmon. That's all he had to eat for a couple of weeks, and, you know, was kind of on his last leg. And it's just really an intriguing story, so much yet to learn about it. But it reminded me that life can be a little bit like this guy bobbing in the waves out in the middle of the ocean. Uh, The Coast Guard said we looked everywhere and couldn't find him. We gave up the search, and then he was found two days later. Later, 14,000 square miles. I mean, it's like a, a, an infinite wasteland out there. You, you just can't find anybody or anything. It's easy to get lost. And I wonder if we are that way sometimes in life. You know, it seems like we're just kind of bobbing with the waves and, and, and we're a little bit beside ourselves because we're, we're lost. We don't know what to do. We don't know how we're going to uh, resolve issues or, or rescue ourselves. We've been talking about the nine waves of lives of life. And we've looked at the first five already, which to me are really the, the trajectory of, of the life that we want to live. We want to dream God's dream. We want to make God honoring decisions. We want to move in a God pleasing direction. We want to end up at a God ordained destination and fulfill our God given destiny. But there are going to be some things that pound against us over and over again as relentless and continuous as the waves crashing against the rocks or pounding against the shore. And one of those we talk about today, and that is doubt. Doubts come from within, and doubts come from without. You ever doubted yourself? Ever had other people doubt you? (laughs) We're one big support group here today, folks. We've all experienced doubt, right? And if the truth be known, we experience it over and over and over again. Jonah was addicted to doubt. Let me say it that way. Doubt, according to the dictionary, is a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. Jonah knew all about that and then some. As I look at his story, I'm reminded of four different characteristics of his doubt that I think we can all identify with. He had an internal conflict. I mean, he was deeply conflicted. He is a prophet of God. God tells him to do something, and he runs in the opposite direction. Conflicted from within. Doubt can do that. We can begin to second-guess ourselves, second-guess God even. Dissonance, lack of clarity, a lack of, of conviction. You know, ambiguity, incongruence, you know, things don't quite fit together. Oh, that was Jonah. And sometimes that's us. Unbelief. Jonah didn't believe the Ninevites deserved salvation or grace or to be rescued by God. He didn't believe it. God believed it, but he didn't. I mean, what's wrong with that picture? And then a lack of trust. He simply did not trust that God knew what he was doing. Have you ever felt that way? Come on, be honest. Be honest with yourself. Have you ever felt like God didn't know what he was doing? I think a lot of people feel that way. Doubt can create unhealthy insecurities, depressed moods, ruin our productivity at work, hurt our relationships, dampen our faith. There's a little bit of Jonah in every single one of us. And we've all experienced this kind of doubt. What are some common doubts? Think about it for a moment. Will I get married? Will my marriage ever improve? I'm drowning in debt. Will I find a way forward? Will my family dysfunction ever change? My job is unraveling. My education is sinking. My relationships are drowning. What can I do about it? My faith is at a crossroads. Where do I turn? My problems are sinking me fast. How am I going to survive? Doubt can be a full-time job. You ever felt that way? Every day it seems like there's something that's creating doubt and anxiety and fear and worry inside of you. It can derail us. We can obsess over it. We can feel like we're drowning in doubt. We can feel like we're sinking deeper and deeper. Somebody said this. Your faith can move mountains, and your doubts can create them. Isn't that good? And it's true. So how do you beat doubt? What does the Bible say about beating doubt? We must drown doubt before it drowns us. We must sink doubt in our life before it sinks us. That's the point I want us to to think about and ponder here today. So let's take a look at four ways to drown doubt. Now, as I've done each week, I want to put in juxtaposition another Bible character with Jonah. Each week we pick somebody. We've talked about Joseph in Genesis, we've talked about Abraham, King David, Esther, uh, the Apostle Paul, etc. And today I want you to think about Moses. Moses in Exodus chapter three and, and chapter four. Jonah and Moses. God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach grace. He says, No thanks. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh because I want to liberate my people. And Moses says, no thanks, at least at first. And then he finally got it right. Now, fortunately, Moses got it right a little better than Jonah because Moses did not have to spend three days in the belly of a stinky fish and be vomited, how gross is that, on dry land. He got there a little quicker. But there's some interesting similarities that I think can teach us some interesting lessons. Let's contrast and compare these two. The first principle is this: four ways to beat doubt. Focus intensely. Focus intensely. You say, Rob, why do you put the word intensely? Because it's not enough just to focus. We need to focus intensely because the fact of the matter is, you and I, we face focus drift. We lose focus, we get distracted, we get pulled away, we we lose our way. Other things come up that demand our attention. We gotta focus intensely. We need to focus on God and not fixate on ourselves and on our problems. How many are good, be honest now, you're in church, do not lie. How many would say I am an expert at fixating on my own problems? Let me see your hand, only honest people allowed. There are seven of us. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> we are all experts at fixating on our It is a human dilemma. We just are good at that. I'm good at it. You're good at it. But we need to work on that by focusing intensely on God. And that's the lesson I want us to see here in this first point. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 11, we come to the very first doubt uh, of the five. We're going to look at five. We're going to bunch of couple of them together. But but Exodus 3.11, Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I mean, you talk about someone who probably could be excused for a little self-doubt. It might be Moses. I mean, who of us want that assignment? Hey, Moses, I want you to go to the most powerful man in the world and tell him he's got it wrong. He needs to let my people go. No, thank you. You know, send someone else. But that's what's going on here. And Moses is arguing and trying to get out from under it. But I want you to know something very, very special about this conversation. God is speaking to him from where? A burning bush. This is kind of like a pretty unique situation. It's kind of like really, really important. uh, God says to Moses, I've seen the enslavement of my people, and I want to liberate them, and I want you to go as my representative to make it happen. That's it. That's all. Don't make excuses. Talk to the hand. I don't want to hear about it. I put that in. God never really said that part. (laughs) Moses, though, speaks like you and me. I'm not adequate for the task. I'm not adequate to do this kind of thing. Supreme self-doubt. And he gives arguments and excuses. Jonah was self absorbed. Moses was self absorbed. We can be self absorbed. On one hand, humans are chronic complainers. We get that. We all are really, really good at complaining over and over again. We get self absorbed, egocentric, concerned about me, myself, and I. And it's easy to focus on our own problems. On the other hand, it's important to look at that a little more deeply and realize that self-doubt is a big problem that we need to face because it can derail our life, it can can hurt our relationships, it can mess up our careers, it can uh, flub up our our faith. Self-doubt can be very, very destructive and we need to deal with it. We must drown it out of our lives before it drowns us. I thought it was interesting to read an article in Psychology Today Entitled How to Overcome Self Doubt by Chickie Davis, a PhD, written in May of 2022. They write how we generally deal with doubt is in one of three ways. One is self handicapping. You know, this is kind of self destructive type stuff where we fall into drugs or alcohol or procrastination. And we do that so we can blame something. You know, here's why we're experiencing the doubt we're experiencing. Another thing they say is overachievement, just kind of the opposite. We fall into perfectionism or or kind of a a works-based approach to life. We overcompensate. um, You know, we're judged on performance, and that can run us ragged and be very, very destructive. And the third thing that they talk about here is the imposter syndrome, where something goes well and we convince ourselves, well, that isn't gonna ever happen again. And so we blame it on chance or luck or timing. And in another way, find a way to demean ourselves and just pound ourselves down. The author goes on to say, if you're gonna overcome self-doubt, you need to practice these things instead. Unconditional self-worth. Know that you are worth a lot. Well, as Christians, as people of the word of God, we know that we matter to God, right? Uh, unconditional self-worth, unconditional love. You need to love yourself. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Loving self, having a proper view of self, is actually pleasing to God. Growth, develop the desirable personal qualities. Every one of us should be committed to an area of growth in our life, growing in God's word, growing in our faith, growing in our education, growing in our careers, growing in our relationships, our marriages, our families. We need to be committed to growth. Use positive self-talk. Say things to yourself that are kind and positive. Many of us are not good at that. Use affirmations like I'm doing my best. Well, that's psychology today. And there's some interesting things there. But I want us to think about Moses. I want us to think a little bit about Jonah. You know, how did they overcome? And the first is to focus intensely, to always keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep our eyes not on our problems but on Jesus. We all understand fear and worry and anxiety. We all get that. We all face that. We all deal with that over and over again. But at some point, people of deep faith in Almighty God need to affirm that it is not about me and my fear. It's not about me and my anxiety. It's not about me and my doubt. It's about my God and what he's asking me to do and be. And am I focused intensely on doing what he's asking me to do? Moses, are you willing to do what I'm asking you to do? No, I want to focus on myself instead. I want to tell you why I'm not the right guy. I want to tell you why you don't know what you're talking about. That's what Moses wanted to focus on. We need to focus on how God has called us and how we need to obey and how God will equip us to fulfill whatever he has asked us to do. We've heard it said over and over again that God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And are we willing to be made willing to have God qualify us? Self-doubt can keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Think about what God is calling you to do. Are you willing to do it? Get married. Work on your marriage. Focus on your family. Improve your finances. Break free from that addiction. Get serious about your faith. Serve. Be generous. Whatever it is, what is God calling you to do? What is God calling me to do? God is working in every one of our lives. What is God saying? The problem with us saying, you know, I'm not really good at that, or God, I don't think I'm the one, is that we're putting more of our trust in ourself instead of in Him. We become self-centered. We box God out of the equation We somehow make ourselves believe that God's wrong and we're right, as foolish as that is. Self-doubt can become selfish and self-centered because it assesses with self. Everybody deals with doubt. And one of the ways to break free from doubt is not to be focused on self, but to be focused intensely on God. Are you winning your bouts with doubt? Listen, the enemy of your life wants to bombard you with all sorts of negativity and doubt and convince you he's right and God's wrong. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? It's really a simple question. It's not really that complicated. Are you going to listen to the Satan or to Christ? Everybody deals with doubt. Think about some of the most incredible people from history that you've had the privilege of studying. Every single one of them have faced doubts of one kind or another. I was thinking about Winston Churchill this last week. He had lots of opportunity to give way to doubt. He had to persevere through a difficult childhood and unloving parents. He had to find courage to deal with teachers who thought he was dumb. He headed off to war as a war correspondent and became a prisoner only to barely escape. He had guts to run for public office. That's going to produce doubts. He changed parties. That's going to produce doubt. Um... He became a published author. author. There's a lot of doubt that that creates. Um, he enlisted in World War I and uh, faced all sorts of political upheaval. And then, of course, he rose to a place of preeminent power, uh, fighting off Nazism and uh, you know, the Battle of Britain and all of the different parts of, of his story. There could have been doubt every step along the way that would have done him in. And somehow he found the way to press forward. Where and how are we allowing doubt to ruin us? God says, I will be with you in verse 12. Moses, I'm calling you to do this. And in verse 12, he says, I'll be with you. And he's saying the same thing to you and me. Amen? So we need to focus intensely. And then secondly, we need to trust passionately. Trust that God is always with us and he's always for us. Look at verse 13 of Exodus chapter 3. Moses says, well, what if they have questions that I can't answer? Such as, what is God's name? What do I say then? What does God say? Just tell them I am. Just tell them I am that I am. Why did God choose that name? Because it's a name that speaks to the the quality and character of God. That he can be trusted. He's all powerful. He's very, very present. He's going to be there and meet their every need. In verse 15, It says that it's a name that every generation will know. Why? Because God is the same in every generation. The God who is with Moses is the God who is with you and me today. We can trust him. We can depend on him. He's a God of love, a God of power, a God of strength, a God of wisdom. This is the name God chooses. Jesus is with you, friend. He lives inside of you. He walks beside you. He walks in front of you. He walks behind you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Can I hear a big amen to that? Amen. He is with us every single step of the way. We are never, ever, ever alone. Doubt minimizes my trust that God is personally devoted to us and his power is available and sufficient to us. Let me say that again. Doubt minimizes our trust that God is personally devoted to us and his power is available and sufficient for us. When we doubt, we don't believe that he's with us. When we doubt, we don't believe that he's for us. When we doubt, we don't believe he has the power to help us. That's what doubt does. Jonah experienced it. Moses experienced it. And we experience it. He is either a forever personal God or not. He's forever an all-powerful God or not. And we will either trust him or not. You say, Rob, why do you have to make it sound so simple? You know, it's not hard to understand, but it is hard to practice. Because when we are in the darkest of nights, or the darkest corner, or facing the steepest mountain to climb, Life becomes challenging. That's why we need to focus intensely. That's why we need to trust passionately. I think of the story of Jesus in in the boat with the disciples during the storm. And uh, in that part uh, of the world, in that region, uh, the Sea of Galilee is... Uh, known to have really ferocious storms that pick up and, and on the Sea of Galilee, the waves can, can, uh, blu- the winds can bluster and blow, and the waves crash against the boat and and the disciples are there and and they are panicking. Read the text they 're panicking they are sure they 're going to crash and drown, and that 'll be the end of it and Where is Jesus through all of this he 's sleeping in the bow of the boat, and they say, "Jesus, what in the world we 're about ready to die?" can you imagine Jesus waking up going, what is with these people? I'm with them all the time. He gets up and prays over the winds and the waves and they all quiet down. Please be still, he says. And the disciples have their jaw drop into the floor going, whoa, even the winds and waves obey him. They were panicking. They were full of doubt with God in the boat. And we say, how ridiculous is that? God is also in our boat. And we are full of doubt. And we are full of fear. And we are full of anxiety. And that doubt derails us. It moves us off God's dream, off of making God-honoring decisions, moving into God-honoring Direction and destination and destiny. Doubt has that power. But remember, friends, that God is in your boat. He's in your boat. He's with you every step of the way. What is the big thing facing you here this week? What is the big thing facing you this month? What is the big thing facing you the next quarter, uh, three months of, of, of the year ahead? Apply the truth of God's word, the promise of God helping us in times of doubt. Pat Tillman, who we we know as the uh, uh, young man who left a lucrative contract in the NFL to be an army ranger and defend his country and actually died for his country, said this one day. He said, somewhere inside of us, we hear a voice. That voice leads us in the direction of the person we want to become, but it's up to us whether or not to follow. We will either follow after doubt or not. We need to trust passionately. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen? What a powerful verse. Number three, we need to believe absolutely. We focus intensely, we trust passionately, and we believe absolutely. Believe that God is all-powerful and all-wise. When you think of all of the characteristics of God, the attributes of God, These two are so profound and so necessary for us to believe, absolutely. He is all-powerful. There is nothing whatsoever beyond his ability, and he is all-wise. Whatever he asks of us, whatever he shares with us, whatever he communicates to our heart is always 100% true. Look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? It's almost as if God has had it at this point with Moses. And he said, Moses, Moses, Moses. You see that staff in your hand? Throw it on the ground. Boom. Throws it on the ground, becomes a snake. He says, pick it up by the tail. He picks it up, turns back into a staff. He says, take your hand, put it in your cloak, pull it out. Leprous, white as snow. Whoa, how did that happen? He says, put it back in your cloak, pull it out. Healed once again. He says, there's nothing impossible for me. Nothing whatsoever, Moses. Moses. It doesn't matter what questions they come up with. It doesn't matter what you face. I will be with you every step of the way and I will help you through whatever you might encounter. And I know within the sound of my voice there are many that are facing some stuff, going through some dark times. I want to remind you that your God, your God who loves you more than you could ever imagine is all powerful and he's all wise and there's nothing too big Too hard for him. Moses finally believed. Jonah took him a little longer, but he kind of found his way. See, if you don't believe he's all powerful, then he can't meet your needs. And if you don't believe he's all wise, then it's safe to assume he doesn't know what you need. It's absolutely vital and essential to believe what the Bible teaches on these two points. He's all-powerful and he is all-wise. Absolutely. Believe absolutely. Doubt dissipates. It erodes. And we need to sink doubt. You know, doubt and fear are close cousins. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, they, they tend to run together. Doubt and fear. We've all heard the acrostic for fear, false evidence appearing real. I mean, I I think that's uh, a pretty significant truth. We all have the ability to make a mountain out of a molehill, uh, to think things are a lot worse than they are. Anybody ever done that? I know I have. You know, things are just a lot worse than they really are, and in reality, you know, it's not quite that way. Doubt distorts our view of God. Jonah needed an eye exam because he had a funny view of God. Moses gained clarity as he walked out his faith. Let me me ask you a question. Is your God bigger than your problem, or is your problem bigger than your God? Just answer it to yourself. Is my problem bigger than God, or is God bigger than my problem? And if your God is bigger than your problems, then why allow fear and doubt to sink you? remember a book I read in college that I think of from time to time. It was a book by J.B. Phillips entitled, Your God is Too Small. You know, I think a lot of people, today shrink God, put him in a box, and say, well, I'll just kind of shove him over here. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible permeates every corner and aspect of our life. He is bigger than life. He is all-powerful. He is all-wise. The story is told of uh, Ulysses S. Grant, former president and army general, as you know. And he was with a cadre of soldiers on their way to a battlefront. And they were spending the night somewhere. And boy, this was a problem uh, during the Civil War days. Uh, Wolves, you know, came after soldiers. And they heard the wolves and, uh, and, and they were overwhelmed. They were frightened. He tells a story. He writes about it. And as they were able to come face to face, you know, with those wolves, they understood that there were only two, not 20. And as soon as the wolves saw them, they ran away. And he writes, I'll never, ever, I never, ever forgot that. I never, ever, ever forgot that because I understood from that day forward that our critics are not as many as we think, our problems aren't as big as we think, our challenges are not impossible as we think. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, don't waste life in doubt and fears. In the study guide that I put together uh, for this series, I put a section that I hope you've had a chance to look at. If you didn't get one of the books, they're available online. to get a a digital version uh, right there with that QR code. But I ask you to write down an area of doubt, anxiety, or fear. I encourage you to do that this week. What is that thing that just really is haunting you right now? And then in the second column, I asked you to put down why you can have faith and why you can have confidence. And then the final column was key scriptures to build your faith. One of them I've listed right here, it's a powerful scripture. As you face whatever challenge you have right now, think about this one. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be all glory in church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to put a comma right there for today. I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you just to think. I just want you to think for a moment. What is the big thing I'm facing right now that's creating extraordinary doubt, anxiety, fear, worry, stress? Is my God big enough to help me with that? Is my God wise enough to help me with that? Have I been guilty of shrinking God down in size? With every head bowed and every eye closed, how many would raise your hand and say, Pastor Rob, I'm I'm going through really a a difficult challenge right now and I'm raising my hand to the Lord right now saying I need God's help. I need God's wisdom. I need God's strength. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I would imagine many of us would raise our hands. So many are going through so many challenges. Would you just pray in your heart of hearts, Lord, help me sink doubt and not let it sink me? Help me focus intensely and trust passionately and believe absolutely. Help me fight through doubt like Moses eventually did Let me fight through doubt like Jonah kind of did. Help me convincingly get to the other side of doubt and not let it sink me. And not let it sink your dream for my life or move me off decisions and the direction that you have for my life. Lord, I pray for every marriage, I pray for every family. I pray for jobs and finances. I pray for health and sickness. I pray for relationships that are struggling right now of whatever type. I pray for those seeking an answer to prayer for for deliverance and help by God in whatever area it might be. I pray for those wanting to overcome an addiction pray for those who are trying to find faith in Christ. I pray your blessing on every single one that's here, Lord. May we all be reminded that we serve a God who we can have complete and total confidence in at every turn of the way. He has our best interest at heart. We trust in him completely. If you're here today and you have not committed your life to Jesus, I invite you to do so right now by just simply praying, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow you from this day forward. And if you pray that prayer, please let me know about it. Before you leave, fill out that connection card. Drop it in the black box on the back wall. Before you leave, I want to be in touch with you here this week. Help you take your next steps in faith. Lord, we pray these things in your precious and holy name. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.